Hello and welcome to Quick Link Podcast. Today I am joined by the multidisciplinarian, multi-talented, um, just star, uh, Maddie Nutt. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for that kind of <laughs> bit. Uh, probably a bit of an exaggerated intro of my actual mediocre abilities on a bike. <laughs> You're multi You can do gravel, you can do mountain bike, you do enduros, like you do road and crits. So <laughs> to me, that's multidiscipline and multi-talented. I, I, if that isn't, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try and do a bit of everything, but um, it's quite hard to like spread yourself across all the different disciplines. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, like, and that was going to be a, a later question, but I might as well jump in now. Like, how do you find trying to balance all the different um, sort of, I, I keep saying genres of cycling, um, like, especially because a lot of those are summer ones. It's not like cross or track, which gets done in the winter. Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like, I mean, it's quite hard because my training really focuses I think the training's what hard. It, what's hard, like it's really hard to get your training to focus on completely different styles of events. So like at the moment, I'm training for tour series, but I'm also training for like this gravel race in France. that's 130k, so the contrast probably couldn't be more extreme. Um, so yeah, it's re- it's pretty tricky because one of like one race requires like huge amounts of volume and zone two work, and the other requires like like upper end VO2 max sessions and they just don't like go well together at all so I think it's a hard balancing act and I say it's probably more a problem for my coach than me because I just do the sessions that I'm set for them um but yeah it's pretty hard um just because you can't really hone your skills for one so at the moment I'm finding actually doing the tour series and doing crits is I don't have the ability to recover fast and sprint at the powers that other girls can sprint at just because all the training I've been doing has mainly been like zone two well endurance rides or like more gravel related stuff um so it's definitely hard to balance it all but I think for me it keeps things really interesting I have a bit of a thing with cycling where like I think if I just rode on the road I don't know if I'd have the same love for it that I have um whereas by doing more than one discipline um it the, the variety keeps it really interesting and keeps me excited so like this morning for example I got on my gravel bike for the first time in like over a week and it felt like a new bike day because I just hadn't been on my gravel bike for a while um and I think people who just ride on the road don't really get that feeling yeah yeah so do you think for you that you need that engagement um kind of something different happening quite constantly to to kind of keep that spark going yeah I feel like I think the spark would probably still keep going on its own, but I make a conscious effort to keep myself really engaged with my cycling by doing things like I will never ride the same route twice, really, even when training. Um, I read a really interesting research paper recently, actually, about like avoiding hedonic adaptation. So like hedonic adaptations is like we get used to doing something that we really like and then we no longer get the same amount of happiness from it. So like, for example, like if you won the lottery, you'd be used to being quite wealthy and then buying your fifth car, you're no longer as happy about buying a new car. And like the way to avoid it is to like increase the amount of variety in what you're doing. So like constantly do things that are like really spontaneous and different. And then you're never going to have that like adaptation to like that level of happiness. So with cycling, I'm kind of constantly going to a new cafe or 
riding a different bike or riding with a different person. And I think that keeps me constantly on my feet and keeps me constantly like enjoying it. Yeah, that kind of like, as you said, like getting that thrill of a new bike by just changing mm-hmm. the bike rather than physically going out and buying one because that would be very expensive very quickly. Yeah, that wouldn't be great for my bank account if um, that was the way I did it. No, but uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. I've never really, like, I, I get the concept. I've just never really heard it with a term that makes it feel real, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I've been, like, quite interested in, like, the psychology of happiness recently um, and, like, linking it to my sport. And, yeah, I, it's working for me at the moment. So I just, <laughs> I've just got to keep the variety up. Yeah. Um, so which is, uh, and possibly you might not be able to give an answer, but what is your favourite current um, style of cycling to do? I think, I, I think, I feel like most people would probably, who ride with me probably would know this, but I'm like very, very, very pro gravel riding. And I think, I think it's just because it suits me the most out of everything. So like okay. I tried fixed crits for a period of time as well. Um I just don't have the power to do very well at road as well. I think it doesn't really suit me in the way that, yeah, gravel does, where like it involves an element of skill. So you've got an element of you're getting better at something, you're being more skillful. Like I can do more, like harder trails now than I ever used to be able to do. Um, you're constantly thinking, I think using your brain more, like when I'm riding gravel, I'm watching where I'm going. I'm thinking about, what line I'm going to take constantly whereas on the road like yes when you're riding in a bunch you've got to think about movement through the bunch but it's much more natural and less actually like concentration heavy and thinking um and yeah I just I I, I like not riding with cars <laughs> I think that's yeah. like a, a really easy answer to that that on a gravel ride it's just you and nature and you don't have to deal with cars although you deal with sassy pedestrians sometimes um so what actually makes like because to the casual observer and certainly I've been guilty of thinking it myself when I look at gravel racing I'm just like it's just a road bike with knobbly tires it's like a cross bike basically so what's like different about gravel racing and and gravel riding I think the thing with gravel racing is like no gravel race is the same and I kind of like that as well I mean this is we're just hopping on the theme of variety here is that like I did a gravel race that was like on a beach and like riding on sand is very, very different to riding on gravel, which is very, very different to riding on mud. And yeah, no gravel race is the same. So like I've done stuff where it's like timed stages and then I really enjoy the enduro format. So like the format of chilling, chatting with people. I did one recently where I, I went alone. I didn't know anyone there. And I literally made so many friends along the ride, just like chatting to random people. And then you hit the time sections really hard and you can like exert yourself. Um get the thrill get the rush from that and then you just enjoy the views the rest of the time um so it's that kind of race and then there's the one that I've got coming up in France is like 130k of pure racing with 3,000 meters of elevation and that's gonna be a different kind of pain and a different kind of thrill um don't think I'll be enjoying the views so much um but yeah it's complete like I think the variety is huge so actually like defining a gravel race um it's quite difficult because it just completely depends on like the terrain and the style of the race okay that's quite interesting because i noticed um yeah as you said you enjoy the the enduro format you um certainly you've had recent success 
in enduro races and maybe that's not matched as much in the tour series um obviously i don't want to speak out of turn or but you know like clearly you're getting first places in enduros or you know top tens and things like yeah. do you think that the longer form suits you better yeah i think i i don't know i'm interested to see how i do in this race coming up i think I am predominantly, and I think endurance is the thing I'm good at, but then I can kind of do well on the enduro style stuff just because I, I, I think a lot of it comes down to there's not other people next to me when I'm racing. So in an a, enduro style gravel race, it's just me against the clock and I can kind of bury myself and put myself in quite a dark hole um, for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long the section is. Whereas in a crit, I find it, there's so many elements that you can't control. And that's one thing that I struggle with with road racing. So, for example, like the tour series last week, there was a crash directly in front of me, which split the front group. And like at that point, you have absolutely no control over that moment. And you're off the back because someone else crashed. And like you can't help that. That's just bike racing. Like you can't control most elements of the crit, whereas you can pretty much control a gravel race when it's just you against the clock. Um, So I think it actually comes down to a lot of it is, when I've got full control, I'm better. Um, but also it's, it, I think it also comes down to experience and like gravel racing doesn't require the same level of experience in terms of racing in a bunch, racing with others. And it just requires pure power and fitness. And the amount of training I've done has got me to the level of power and fitness where I can race gravel well, but I don't have the race experience to be good at riding like tour series, for example. I just haven't ridden enough crits and definitely not enough at that level so this is my first year racing like national series stuff um and the level is just completely above like local level racing and to be able to race well in a race like that you've got to outsmart the people who've been racing for years and have all of that experience and I think yeah it's just it comes down to like the kind of brain behind it as well and I don't think I've got the knowledge or experience in crit racing at all to or road racing to know what I'm doing. Yeah. So do you think maybe um, that the sort of that need for variety has almost harmed your abilities there because it's meant you haven't specialized? I would say potentially, yes. Like if I'd have just focused on road racing and crits, then I'd probably be a lot better because I'd have had more time doing them. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like my long-term ambitions within cycling would probably be to just focus on gravel. So it wouldn't be in my best interest long-term or, or yeah, um, to get so much better on the road. I, I, I want to be good on the road because I think it's frustrating not being as good as you feel like you can be. Um, but I think that's just going to take some time and I, I'm going to keep at it and see where I can go with it. But my long-term ambitions and like the the races I'm really going to focus on are always going to be on gravel I think yeah and that's fair enough like everyone's got their own individual goals their own individual success and I think that's really like interesting to look at I guess it actually brings me on neatly to one of the questions I like to ask people is like when you get to the end of of this year and this season like what is success and have you been successful that's a really good question because I feel like a lot of people would have a results-based answer 
But I think for me, it would be an answer just based on like, have I had a really good year? Like, have I loved bike racing? Have I loved bike riding? Have I progressed? Like, do I feel like one, I'm fitter, but two, I'm more like more knowledgeable. Um, Yeah. Have I had a really good time rather than it being a results based one? I don't need to get certain results this year to feel like satisfied or validated as a rider. Um, But if I had a really great time riding my bike, that's a successful season for me. Okay, so for you, it's happiness and, I guess, growth. Um, And having those two in combination means that you'd feel successful by the end of it. Yeah, I think if I hadn't improved or grown as a cyclist, then I'd probably, there'd be a limit on the amount of time that I can spend doing it. I think after a couple of years, if you're plateauing, um, then I think the enjoyment of it maybe wouldn't be enough. But yeah, no, I think it's definitely a combination um, and some good results would be great, but that's not a like prerequisite to having a great season, I think. Yeah, I mean, some things are bigger than the races or bigger than the results. Um, uh, and clearly, happiness is is a huge thing, as, as mm-hmm. we've seen in like the men's peloton with Tom Dumoulin, like taking time out for mental health. Like, you need to be happy to to ride a bike well, I feel. Um I also think it's with the longevity of it. Like I think a lot of people who don't actually love bike riding and don't and aren't actually happy riding their bike as much just end up burning out and leaving the sport. Whereas if you're loving doing it, if you're if you've got the variety of like the different kinds of bikes or different kinds of racing, um, and if you're loving it, you'll keep at it for a long time. And then actually, maybe in five years' time, you'll be really good. Um, but better than working really hard now and like training ridiculously to a point where you don't love the sport anymore and you're not doing coffee rides with friends and then in a year's time you're going to hate your bike and you're never going to get on it again yeah yeah absolutely and i think uh dan biggums talks about like happiness watts and like if you're happy you can actually turn yourself inside out a lot more um i know although anecdotally for myself my best results have come when i've been annoyed at the start um if someone's enraged me that just sets a fire on me and then I'm like okay I'm like I'm gonna do well here I don't get that I don't know maybe I'm just not naturally happy I don't know like how that works um but it's interesting to hear because I think um someone else I interviewed Autumn Collins she said that for her happiness makes all the difference like on a race day and you think so when you wake up on a, a morning and you're like oh I'm not feeling it like having a bad day or someone's gone on does that have a knock-on effect on how well you ride I would say if I'm having a bad day I've not really had a bad day linked with my cycling but if I'm just having a bad day generally it just means that if I get on the bike I'll probably feel better so (laughs) actually I just go out on the bike and then I come back and I'm like oh like I feel a lot better now um but yeah, no, I could see how that would impact people. But I think for me, it's I've, I've I had a couple of sessions that haven't gone like how I wanted them to go. Um, but I'm still at the end of the day, I'm outside riding my bike. Like, it's not, it's not a bad thing to be doing. Yeah, is it that kind of cycling as catharsis for you then? So it can like allow you to work a few things out of your system. If it is a bad day, you're just like, I'll get out on the bike, enjoy myself. Yeah, I would say that. I think there's something, I mean, there's some sort of psychology in like the like the left-right movement, the constant and repetitive movement of cycling, where like 
it's really good for thinking space. And I've always had that but ever since I started cycling. So before cycling, I ran a bit and I had that with running and I've got that completely with cycling. A lot of the time I go out on my own and I don't even bring headphones or anything. So I do a lot of thinking on the bike. Um, so yeah, when I'm not in a great mood, just going out on the bike on my own without headphones is a definite solution to like work out the solutions to my problems. Wow, that's really interesting. I can't, I hate riding without headphones personally like I need that background sort of hum of something going on to, and that enables me to get that thinking space but it's interesting to hear how you need nothing kind of to get yeah, into that space I, I would say I rarely have music I have to be in a certain mood where I like I'm obsessed with a certain soundtrack or something or something like that. And then I've got music on, but nearly the whole, like nearly like majority of my bike rides, I would go music free, just thinking. And, and now I'm really curious, what was the last soundtrack you really got into that you had to have? And this could be potentially embarrassing and I'm here for that if it is. Well, I, whenever people ask me about my music taste, I always get really, really embarrassed. And it's something that like, I genuinely don't tend to answer. Like I can remember someone asked me once and I was just like, I'm just not going to tell you what music I listen to because I feel like people are always quite surprised and they're always, they're always like, yeah, it's it's not a music taste you would go around screaming and shouting about that you listen to. But I just, I'm like really into musical theatre soundtracks and I don't really know why. So like I went and saw Six in London recently in the West End and like, so Six, I listened to on my ride today. I did listen to music today. So I had the soundtrack of that on repeat and like I just find a lot of musical songs like really empowering when you're cycling because they're so upbeat so like I'm going up a hill and I've got like this soundtrack like pounding through my ears and I'll fr like get really fast um but I yeah there was a period of time where like the Frozen 2 soundtrack was that is a banger of a soundtrack like <laughs> I will hear no hate for that like... and I used to listen to it before races and it'd be like what are other people listening to before races? Definitely not Frozen 2, but I've got Frozen 4 on my headphones. Can I guess that the best song for you on that would be the next right thing? See, I quite like Into the Unknown because I just find it so dramatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I get, I get so that. Into it. Um, yeah, Into the Unknown is great. But yeah, Frozen, I haven't had Frozen on for a bit. Encanto, the Disney soundtrack, is a current, mm. current fave. Um, but yeah, Disney musicals or just musicals in general, Into the Heights. Um, yeah, that my music taste is um, judged by many, but it makes me happy on my bike rides. I love it. And like, yeah, just to, so I can share in that embarrassment. Like there have been times that I've had sort of, like I'll put my playlist on random, but it's come up with things like Sweeney Todd. And just some of that is, is dark but it's quite aggressive and that gets me in that headspace I think whatever does it matter what like yeah it shouldn't be judged I guess is the point I'm trying to make you know if it gets you in the right headspace for a race does it matter what it is because it helps you and it's personal kind of thing and it's unique so yeah yeah thank you for for sharing and, and feeling confident enough See, now when people see me, like, warming up on rollers with headphones in or something, people can be like, is she listening to Frozen? <laughs> yeah. or, or is it, could it be Encanto again? And I forgot the song I... See, I, I don't want to go for the, the Bruno song because that's too obvious, but um, 
the one that Mirabelle sings with Isabella. I just can't remember what it's called. Oh, the best one is the one that Isabella sings. Um, oh, the like, oh, what is it called? The one about her being like strong and everyone relying on her. I can't, I cannot oh, get over the, what that song is. Yeah, the pressure one. I under pressure. That's it. Oh God, what a song! I there's something about that song that's just incredible. I think Lin Manuel Miranda is an incredible lyricist. Like when I found yeah. out that that was the same lyricist as Into the Heights, I was like, well, this and Hamilton. I was like, well, this makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, God, that is that is the song when you've got to do like an effort up something. That is what I whip on under pressure. Really? Gosh, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, I'd like. I just love that film. Um, I, I can't believe that Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the lead character. It just blows my mind that it's the same woman doing both both voices. Um, but yeah, that, that's amazing. Um, one thing I did want to talk about is your sock game. Because in, in previous years, um, you had these bright orange socks. I think, like, what was, I guess, yeah, my question on them is, like, what was the purpose of having such... I don't want to say garish, but, you know, it's such luminescent um, socks on. Uh, this, is, this is something that comes up every so often. People are always like, God, your sock game is quite questionable. So <laughs> the reason I wear garish socks is so that if I've got my dad or someone watching me, that they can spot me in the bunch. It's always been like a how people can spot me but also it's useful for me because after the race if people put up photos I know which one's me so if there's like a group photo and I'm like looking for myself or I'm like scanning through stuff I can find myself easily because I've got the loud socks so partly it's that and yeah the orange socks matched my old kit really well so I just got some bright or like orange outlandish socks I think I've always I've always thought socks is a way to express yourself on the bike because I wear black shoes so if I've got black shoes on, I can wear whatever socks I want. And I've always worn like black helmet, black shoes and garish socks. And like now, obviously, like with like Josh releasing like the all in racing socks, I was like, well, I should I should get these socks and I should wear rainbow socks, um, which quite a few people are wearing, which is great as well. Um, but yeah, they're my current garish socks of the time. I think they're relatively subtle in comparison to the orange socks. Of oh, last year. Hugely. Um uh, and yeah, what you said about all in race, it like it's huge, um, like great for representation. Um, I need to get a pair of those socks. I just every time I see they're on, it's like not close enough to payday that I can do it. So I'm like, ah, oh, next month then. Um, but no, they they look amazing, and yeah, it's certainly for me, it, it's hugely important that there is representation. Um, uh, and you know, um. Yeah, huge shout out to Josh for for just having that idea uh, and getting it off the ground. And yeah, I certainly. Think way, like in terms of subtlety as well, I think it's a great way because it's so easy for someone to buy a pair of socks to just show like support or representation for like LGBTQ plus. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like it's not hard to buy a pair of socks or wear a pair of socks, and they're cool socks and they look good and they're a little bit loud but not too loud, which suits most people's level of loudness. But at the same time, like if people see it then if anyone did feel mildly uncomfortable in the sport or like they didn't fit in or anything like that there is that representation there that like actually most people are like very supportive of it and it's not a thing in cycling that's problematic and I think that's the thing like Josh's whole message is great and I think 
yeah the socks has been the most perfect way to do it yeah yeah I agree um as you say it's kind of that subtle nod to say yeah you everyone's welcome here with me and yeah. I think there needs to be a whole lot more of that to be honest um cycling is quite not you know it's a sport I love but it is very white and very conservative um and we need to take steps away from that um I think the socks is a brilliant idea of, of getting away from that area uh, and getting into inclusivity that that's just desperately needed yeah no definitely I think cycling yeah I think it's improving but it is a very very predominantly white sport and yeah um I think it's just not diverse at all at the moment and like the more people that are from diverse backgrounds and from diverse groups that get into cycling I think the more representation the more it will improve but it's just yeah it's getting people there supporting them um and then I think it will just grow from there yeah absolutely um I I guess final question then is like what's still to come from you for this year um I know you mentioned the the gravel race in France Uh, are there any other plans yeah, so this gravel race, the UCI race in France, so that's like my big race that's coming up. Um, and that's a qualifier for the first ever gravel world champs. And I'm just going to do my best and we'll see what happens. But I'm really, really looking forward to that race. So I've got that. And then I'll have a few gravel races. I've got a few gravel races that I'm looking into. Um, and I'll see which ones work along my like road calendar for the rest of the year. So I'll just kind of fit gravel racing alongside my road calendar. And then, yeah, hopefully some better results on the road um, <laughs> with teammates too, like more riding with the team. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, my aim for this year is to potentially spend um, autumn abroad riding training. And I think I'm going to, I'm really focusing on this year and like pushing this autumn so that I've got, a, I'm in a really strong position for next season which seems a bit silly to be like, I'm already thinking about next year, but at the same time, like I only quit my job at the end of last year and the end of December. So I was working full time, 12 hours a day in the city, unable to train last autumn. So I haven't really had the best start of the season in terms of training. So I'm kind of playing catch up a bit. So I'm looking forward to restarting in this autumn and really kind of going gung ho next year. And hopefully that will mean some time abroad. Um, I really want to get my Spanish completely fluent again. So I speak Spanish, but it's a bit rusty at the moment. So I want to go somewhere Spanish speaking and then come back completely fluent, which would be great. Maybe with a a bit of a tan. I know it's still Christmas time, but still um, some stronger legs for next year. Oh, lovely. And if people wish to to keep up with all these escapades and adventures, um, where can they find you on, on Twitter and other socials? So social wise, I'm a solo Instagram user. Um, I keep all to the Instagram because I just take a lot of pictures of food and bikes and it's just easier for me to express anything with pictures. Um, so I'm on Instagram, which is at Maddie Nutty, which is my cycling account. Um, but yeah, I like tend to post a lot of pictures of cakes at cafes. I think a lot of people are annoyed because I work freelance. So I've got a lot of free time during the day and it means that I'm going to cafes on weekdays. I think sometimes my content annoys people because it'll be a nice cake and coffee in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. But 
um, yeah, for some cycling content and race content, it will all be on there. Oh, lovely. We'll make sure that goes in the show notes. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. No worries at all. Thank you for having me on. It was great chatting. You've been listening to QuickLink Podcast, your daily microdose of pro cycling news and results. You can find us across social media at QuickLinkPod, or you can contact us by emailing show at quicklinksports.com. Share the show and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye now.